concerning Landmark and the local church and school and college staff. It's possible for me to use too much time, but it would be impossible for me to appreciate them too much. And I deeply appreciate the staff, the church, and college that makes Landmark possible and what they are doing and the anointing of the Lord. I certainly enjoyed the challenging remarks of Brother Sism, great, wonderful, godly man that we deeply appreciate. He didn't tell you this, but under his leadership, our constituency has grown 300%. church open three new churches every 
single day outside the United Pentecostal Church. downstairs 
who was a great woman of God. And she came up to the door and knocked on my door. And she looked me straight in the face. And she said, the anointing of the Holy Ghost is upon me. And I prophesy to you, Billy Cole, you have peace. God is working this all out. And God is choosing whom he will. Because he's going to do something on this trip like you have never seen before in all of your life.
satanic power so much, I love to fight with the devil. Because I always will. That is not arrogance. That is knowledge. Someone said, Brother Cole, aren't you afraid to attack the devil? Absolutely not. Let me tell you something. The devil is scared to death of me. service last night as a seeker and fell on the floor he was an ambassador of the devil he was sent to hinder brother Tenney's message I sensed it knew it told the workers get him out of here we have got to learn to be able to recognize satanic power and flesh power Amen. Right. Satan can distract us. That's his purpose. That's his only power is to distract us or to interject thought into our mind. Satan can't destroy us. He can cause us to self-destruct. I remember uh, going to Bombay once. And at that time, the only person in that church who had the Holy Ghost was the pastor. Even his wife did not have the Holy Ghost. 
and he had five men that were baptized, and I went there for the purpose of helping them pray through, pray them through the Holy Ghost. And uh, we had the meeting on a common porch, uh, the four tiny little apartments, four tiny, tiny little apartments. And they had a common porch, and that's where we was going to have church. And there was about 100 people crammed in there. <laughs> when you're as big as I am, you get a lot of attention in Asia. <laughs> and so, so we had this big, at least a hundred people crammed on that porch, and Brother Shaw and I stepped into one of the apartments, and they was entertaining us a little bit, and uh, when I stepped out of the apartment to the pulpit, there was a woman in the back that screeched and screamed, and those Hindu people they know how to recognize demon power. They understand it, and they recognize it, and they're afraid of it, but they recognize it. And immediately, two men took a hold of her. They knew that she was possessed with many, many devils. And she rose up screeching at the top of her voice. And when she did, they took a hold of her, and she picked both of those men right up off of the floor, screaming. And I told the interpreter, I will step back into this apartment, and when I do, she'll quieten down. And when she quietens down, you put her in the room and lock the door, and then we're going to have church. <laughs> you see, what the devil wanted me to do was to get my attention, and for me to give my attention to him and forget about what I was there for. those five men through to the Holy Ghost. And he tried to get my attention off of that. Well, when I stepped back, she quieted right down. They put her in the room and locked the door. And all five of those men got the Holy Ghost. Some very, very, very precious people 
into some strange things. And there was about a hundred of them left when Brother Sism and his family took me there. And that was a wonderful trip together. We had to have two cars because when we all got in one car, it wouldn't go. <laughs> and even with two cars, one place we had to back up the mountain. It wouldn't go up front, but it would back up. <laughs> going to handle it. We're going to leave her in this room and lock the door 
and we're not going to let her out of here for two days, and we're not going to give her nothing to eat. And just as soon as he interpreted that, she went, oh, oh. she got her healing just like good stuff. someone being in the meeting that is so possessed of the devil that they uh, convulse and tear themselves. It's everywhere. But the devil in Asia is exceedingly weak. He is just big. He is big and he is unchallenged. The only reason we haven't taken Asia is because we have not gone. over the devil in Asia. He's so weak in Asia. He's pitiful in Asia. But he's so big. And he's unchallenged. Now in Europe, the very seat and throne of Satan in this earth. Now he has been powerful there. Now when you buck up against the devil in Europe, you're talking about powerful devils. But their back is broken too, because the, the political world always reflects what is happening in the spiritual world. Right. Amen. Amen. And so what has happened over there in the political world is a reflection of what has happened in the spirit world in Europe. They was able to hold that in an absolute bind for 
50 years they held it, whole continent. But it's broken now. Praise the Lord. Some of us will choose to continue doing what we're doing. In some cases, not very much. And others will make the sacrifice to go and tell these people the story. They will respond. They will respond. Praise God. Praise him. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, that was free. I understand the one yesterday was too. <laughs> concerning the vision that the Lord has given to you. I'm going to try, by the help of the Lord, to help you to understand a little more about the ways of God and how he works. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And my subject for today is the power of speaking the word of faith. The power of speaking the word of faith. If you'll turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 18. Luke, chapter 18. Beginning with verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, for this purpose, that men ought always to pray, but not to faint. God doesn't want you to get discouraged. He just wants you to talk to him. Saying there was in a city a judge 
which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a window in that city, a widow in that city. She came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect? And I believe you're a part of his elect. And shall not God avenge his own elect when they cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Would you say that with me? Though he bear long with them. Say it with me again. I want it to be imprinted upon your mind. Though he bear long with them. Now, this is in verse 8. Verse 8 seems to be an absolute, total contradiction to what he has just said. Now remember, he has just said, though he bear long with them. And then in verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your very precious people. And these precious men, ministers, preachers, evangelists, saints of God, dedicated men, Lord God that loves you with all of their hearts, have gathered into this sanctuary. And I pray, Lord God, that you shall touch their minds to receive the word of the Lord today. May there not be a single person offended by the word of God both those things that I have already spoken and those things that I will speak today. In Jesus' name. And I ask, Lord, that you will anoint my mind and cause my mind to be alert and loose my tongue that I may speak to your people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen. amen. Jesus used a parable here of two characters that are totally opposite of each other. First of all, he uses a very high-ranking person of great status and clout and prestige, a judge. Furthermore, he is not only a judge with great natural lawful authority, but he is a ruthless man. He is very, very ruthless. And he is not concerned about what people are worrying about. He even declared that he had little or no respect for God. He said, I do not respect God. I do not fear God. Or I do not respect God. Now here is a ruthless man with political, lawful authority. He has within his power the power of life and death. With just one single decision, he can make a man rich or he can make him absolute poverty-stricken. He has that kind of authority. He can even take his life away from him. This is a man that everybody 
respects and fears, and though they may not love him, believe me, they speak to him properly and call him your honor. And when he walks into the room, they stand up. He was a man of prestige and power. He, he had a terrible attitude towards other men. He said, I don't regard man, and I, uh, I, I have no regard for man. There's some people in the church with that same attitude. I've heard him say, I don't care what the preacher says. I don't care what the pastor says. I don't care what the saints of this church say. I'm going to do so and so. Let me tell you something. That is one stinking attitude. I care what the least person in the church that I pastor thinks. I may not submit to their opinion. I've been known not to. <laughs> when I get in this pulpit, it's my opinion that you have invited me to bring you something from God. And I'm not going to let you intimidate me. I'm going to speak what God wants me to speak. But I want you to know that there's not a human being in this place that I don't regard. I do regard. I respect you. I am concerned with your opinion and what you're thinking. Someone said, quoting the scripture, says, Beware when all men speak well of you. That's talking about the world. It's not talking about righteous people. It's not condemning the compliment of righteous people. Amen. But that was the attitude that this judge had. Then on the other hand, Jesus uses an example of a person that is extremely weak. Not weak in our current culture here in America. You're not weak just because you're a widow in America. Widows can keep good jobs. They have good jobs. And they have prestige, they can get as much education as any man can get, and they can hold down just as good a job and, and uh, do a lot of things in our current culture. In fact, I shook hands with a woman the other day, a widow lady, who is making $80,000 a year. Well, that's more than I'm making. I could make that much if you stingy guts would loosen up a little bit. <laughs> some store and get a sales job 
work in a factory somewhere. There was just nothing for them. When their husband died, they were hopeless. Status-wise, they were on the bottom of the totem pole. They were nothing in that society. People wouldn't even spit at them, let alone pay a little attention to them. They were nothing. So Jesus has taken these two characters of extreme opposites to show us a beautiful principle about the Lord and how he works. Amen. And she prevailed on him. She just would not let up. She was determined. She had it in her heart and mind that she was going to have her situation avenged. And she was not going to be deterred by it. Amen. Jesus responds. He's wanting us to understand that he responds to faith. And the reason we let up many times is because our faith wavers. Jesus gives us a beautiful example in the seventh chapter of Luke of the centurion who had a sick servant. And he sent messengers unto them, unto Jesus. He said, please heal my servant. And so Jesus decided to do that very thing, and he was on his way to the centurion, the captain uh, of the, in the Roman army. He was on his way to heal his servant. And when the captain seen Jesus, he ran out of his house and said, you're not worthy, I'm not worthy to have you in my house, but I do understand authority. I understand authority. And that's what faith is, is understanding authority. Understanding authority. Amen. And he said, if you'll just speak the word, because I know when I speak to someone and tell them to go, they go. No questions asked. Right or wrong is beside the point. I've told them to go, and they go. I tell them to come, and they come. And I understand that principle, and I know that that is the principle of getting something done here. And he was a Gentile, and it was not yet God's time to bless the Gentile, but Jesus could not resist his unwavering faith. And before God just turned his plan upside down and healed that Gentile servant. We have another example of that, the Syphonician woman. She came to Jesus said her daughter was vexed and want, want uh, you to heal her. And the Bible says that Jesus didn't even answer her. <laughs> I wonder what had happened to one of us poor pastors. If one of the good saints had walk up to us and say something to us and we ignored him and didn't even answer him. Jesus helped us all. <laughs> Don't try it in American culture. And then the disciples, if you please, the district board, Brother Price, <coughs> took up the, the battle. They sensed that the superintendent didn't want nothing to do with her. <laughs> so they said, go on away. Don't bother the Lord. 
might have been gone, discouraged and depressed for the next 21 months. Hallelujah. <laughs> she kept on. And then Jesus said, now bread is for the sheep. And then he said, the bread is not for the dogs. Jesus called her a dog. What if somebody had been standing out here in the foyer, and when you come in today, they say, listen, this is for precious people of God, and we don't want none of you dogs in here. <laughs> I know what you would have said. You would have said, oh, that's all right. I know I'm a dog, but uh, there's some good things going in there, and I want to be a part of it, and I just want to go in. Is that, are you kidding? <laughs> you the burnt rubber from here to Christian <laughs> You'd have had to go and buy you a new pair of tires. <laughs> but not her. She said to the Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs and fall from the table. And he said, oh, why? A great faith. Now she was, she was not a Jew, but God turned his whole plan upside down to respond to her faith. He couldn't resist her faith. And that's what motivates God. God bless you for all your consecration. That's going to help you to get to heaven. But it's not going to move God. thing you're doing for missions. But it doesn't move God. Even your prayer life doesn't move God because most of you walk around. I shouldn't say most of you. Some walk around and this is the way they pray. Oh Crisis situation, I know how to make intercessory prayer. But many times what we call intercessory prayer is just audible depression. That's not intercessory prayer for God's sakes. 
respond to that. Intercessory prayer is when it moves deep into your soul and God takes control of your mind and spirit and facilities and the spirit of God uses your tongue to attack the situation. That is intercession. serious problem that my mind is just like a computer and I can see the negative side of everything within 10 seconds and you be careful if you're like that you be careful if you're like that <laughs> let me give you an example why why did a great man of God lock himself into his room for one whole week without shaving and then come out on Sunday morning and start singing when gloom and sadness whispers you've sinned there's no use to pray I look away to Jesus and he tells me to say why did he write that Now, I have a problem with my mind that I think of the negative side instantaneously. And that can become doubt and it cause you to question your brother. We all go through struggles and it can affect your faith. It can really affect your faith. And we're all going to go through struggles. I don't care if you've got the Holy Ghost to the top of your head and to the bottom of your feet and running out of you. You're going to have storms to go through. Jesus one time used the example of a man that built his house on the rock and one that built his house on the sand. 
Now, I would assume that the interpretation of that is that the one that built his house on the sand was those that were dependent on their own ability, their own understanding, their own education. And the one that was built on the rock was one that was built on the Word and on Jesus, truly born again. But I want you to notice that in the Scripture, if you've probably noticed already, maybe, that the Scripture that describes the storm of the one and the other is exactly the same. Word for word, comma for comma, period for period, the storm is the same. So I don't care who you are or how good you live, if it starts raining and you walk out of here, you're going to get wet. It's just that simple. And then there is a storm that you go through because you're attached to somebody. The Apostle Paul said, don't sail. If you do, we're going to get into a terrible storm. But he had handcuffs on him. He was attached to somebody. And that somebody said, sail! He had no choice. He had no choice. And it wasn't very long until the Apostle Paul was in a storm that was so bad that for 10 days he couldn't see the moon, he couldn't see the sun, and he couldn't see the stars. But he was still an apostle. But he was an apostle that was in one more mess. And finally, the storm was so bad that it broke that ship half in two, and he was out in the water, hanging onto a chunk of wood, with the sharks nibbling at his heels. And everything he had in the world was gone. Wake up! probably had to even get rid of his coat to survive that water. But he never stopped being an apostle. And he didn't go through that storm because of his own stupidity. He went through it because he was attached to somebody. And you're going to go through storms because you're attached to somebody. Some of you has got some women down here at Christian Life Center. You just try to get away from them and see them. Whether you're attached or not. Praise the Lord. I had an elder come into my office one day. Good man, godly man. He even bought a second car so he'd get to church on time. His wife, I don't care what time church starts, she's going to be a half hour late. And he bought a second car just so he could get to church on time. <laughs> Paid his tithes. Paid. Give liberal and special offering. He was just a godly, good man. He was a coal mine foreman. He was a boss. Good man. Godly man. Came into my office one day, just barged into my office without any appointment whatsoever. I don't normally let people do that. You can't pastor people that don't respect you as much as they respect their doctor or their lawyer, and you don't barge into the doctor's office. 
unless it's an emergency. And he barged into my office and screamed at me and pulled his hair. And he said, my God, Brother Paul, why has God did this to me? I said, sit down, Elder, sit down, Elder. Calm down, Elder. said, God has not done this to you. That little 14-year-old girl of yours that's pregnant has done this to you. And if you will calm down and get a hold of your senses and put your arms around that child and embrace that child like you have never done before and love that child, God's going to bring you and your daughter and your grandbaby out of this storm, but it's not going to be tomorrow. And it's not going to be next week. It might even take two or three years. But God will bring you out and save you. God not only saved Paul, but he saved everybody on the ship because Paul was with him. Every last one of those guys would have died and had Paul with him. Been all over for them. But because Paul was with them. Now he had suffered, but God brought him out. And the devil would take advantage of your dark days when you can't see the sun, the moon, and the stars, spiritually speaking. And he'll talk to you. And by the way, that's the only real power he has, is to interject thought into your mind. He cannot destroy you, but he can cause you to self-destruct. Amen. And then, of course, there is a storm where you just get into it because you're so blasted, bullheaded. <laughs> Stubborn, rebellious. Hello. <laughs> Jesus, the Lord, said to John, Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell him I'm going to kill him. And Jonah said in so many words, I'd be glad to go tell him if you'd do it because I hate him too. <laughs> but the problem is I'll go there and tell them and they'll repent and you change your mind and you won't do it so I'm not going. And he didn't go. And he got into a storm. And God even saved him. He was so bullheaded and stubborn. <laughs> I remember one preacher I used to visit. I loved him like my own flesh and blood brother. But he was in a place that was totally out of the will of God. And I pleaded with him, get out of here. Move. Go somewhere else. And he wouldn't do it. He stayed with that church over 20 years. And when he finally left, he was running 30s and 40s. Over 20 years. And finally he left. And he's been where he's at now for seven years. And he's pastoring one of the largest churches in the United Pentecostal Church. And having 30 40 every month receive the Holy Ghost. Yeah. 
And many times we suffer just because we are so bullheaded.
before the Lord spoke the worlds into existence. How long has God been around? Too big for me to figure out. Way beyond me. The Bible says he's in here forever. I can't comprehend forever. But it's a long time.
restoring his church in power. I, I changed the title last year and taught it all week long in the Louisiana camp meeting. I've taught their camp meeting every other year for 12 years now. They still laugh at my stories. They've heard them a hundred times. <laughs> See, Brother Whaley's here. God bless you. And, uh, and I taught this whole week on, for a couple of hours every day, that God has restored his church in power. And I deliberately used the word empower. And I went through the book of the Acts of the Apostles. And as in that sermon before, I would always say when I came to that point where 3,000 received the Holy Ghost in one service, I'd always say for 27 years, I said, and though I would fall into deep depressions because of uh, I don't like Billy Cole half as much as you do. And I would fall into depressions over that. But I have never let my faith waver. I live in the dimension of the gift of faith. And I never let my faith waver. Not in God. In myself, not in, I, I don't have a lot of faith in myself, but I have faith in God, and that faith does not waver. And for 27 years in preaching that one sermon, I would always say, I have never seen 3,000 get the Holy Ghost in one series of meetings or one service, but I would never stop there. There is not one single exception. I would always say, but I shall see it. I shall see it. For 27 years, I said, I shall see it. Someone said, Brother Cole, it was coincidental that you showed up in El Salvador when you did the first time since the day of Pentecost that among oneness people, that 3,000 people received the Holy Ghost, it was coincidental. Oh, no, yeah, that wasn't coincidental. For 27 years, I have said it. I have spoken the word of faith, unwavering. There has never been a doubt in my mind for one-tenth of one second that someday I would see it. And in a two-night crusade on Thursday night when the invitation went forth, there was 3,500 people came forward. And it looked like they all received the Holy Ghost. But when they took names and addresses, there was 3,034 had received the Holy Ghost in that Preached all over the world, 
Seen folks get the Holy Ghost in 38 nations. Right here in Stockton, four times, I have seen more than 50 people get the Holy Ghost in a single service. I have seen 75 get it. I preached for Edwin Harper once, and 99 got the Holy Ghost. And there was 111 seekers. And we desperately, I said, let's pray one more through. And we could not pray it through. And I don't believe you got the Holy Ghost unless you speak with other tongues. Amen. I don't care how much you dance or how much joy you got. I believe that. With all my heart. Hallelujah. And I think it's very excellent to have at least two witnesses for each one that speaks with tongues. So that they will have confidence in their experience. And 99 got the Holy Ghost in one. And I could not break that barrier for years and years and years. And then Brother Tenney, he's here somewhere, I think. Right here he is. Invited me to go with him to the Philippines for a seminar for the preachers. 500 preachers and about 100 of their wives was there all week long. And then Brother Tenney asked me to preach the crusade on Sunday. They had a combined crusade. And uh, it was a miraculous thing. God miraculously healed the sick. Praise the Lord. And faith was inspired. And over 300 received the Holy Ghost. That was the first time I had ever seen the barrier of 100 receiving the Holy Ghost in a single service. And then one year later, less two weeks, I seen 3,000. And then one year later, less two weeks, I seen 30,000 received. I can't wait until March.
show you just a minute of this. And by the way, the results of the meeting took them three weeks to do it. It was 18,409 baptized in water in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus. And that Ethiopian crusade. How? Get more lights out. Now, the technical quality of this film is very poor. Thank God for the very view is going with me this year. He has a $100,000 camera that he's taking with him. And we should be able to get some pictures that you'll be able to. Now, you can see the miracles. I don't know about being projected here or not. Would you back it up just a I have just, there's no sound, but I have just asked the question, if you have just spoken with other tongues, please wave your hands. standing there for five hours and when they started dancing there they danced for two more solid hours without even changing a course just dance for two more right out in the open sun the reason you can't see all the crowd at once is because some of them are under shelter they build a shelter for 40,000 and then it whites out because they're in the bright sun and the camera has to change for you to be able to see it and we just had a little home movie deal and, uh, and uh, that's the reason the poor technical quality. Amen. But these uh, videos are available, and uh, you're
contribution will be put right straight into a mission account. I believe we need to speak the word of faith this morning. There's a crusade coming up in a few days in Ethiopia. You know where the Lord's movement's where I want to be. I don't mean physically, but my heart wants to be there. Next year, go physically. church needs to be where the waters are troubled. You believe that? I, I feel like we need to receive an offering here this morning. We need to just empty out our pockets. This whole convention's been that way, but not, it's not for here. It's get it over there. And uh, we need at least $5,000 and it's right in here this morning. Let's stand to our feet. Let's pray. I want some of you young men to take those offering plates and just line up across the 